Welcome back to KSCJ Radio, 1360 AM, 94.9 FM in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm Brian Vikulskis, and this is Having Read That, conversations with authors about their books. Joel Richard Paul is a professor of constitutional and international law at UC Hastings in San Francisco, and he is also the author of a brand new book. This one is called Indivisible, Daniel Webster and the Birth of American Nationalism. The book is available everywhere. It's a fantastic read to kind of give us a perspective, not only a historical, well, a historical perspective on a lot of things that apply still today in the government. And Daniel, as I start out, I love the, the, the uh, or Joel, you're Joel, Daniel's the subject. Joel, as I start out, Daniel Webster is one of those guys that you mentioned the name from history and people say, oh yeah, the dictionary guy, but that's not, that's not who he is. And so can you kind of set up where Daniel Webster rose to prominence to become a name that we all know, but we don't necessarily know why we know it? Sure. Dan, Daniel Webster, for 40 years, from 1812 to 1852, he was really the leading statesman in America. Uh, he was uh, the uh, foremost advocate before the Supreme Court. He argued many of the most important cases before the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court justices wept when he argued before them. He was such a brilliant advocate. Uh, he was a member of Congress. He was a senator from Massachusetts twice the Secretary of State and four times a presidential nominee. But most importantly, people may know Daniel Webster from the famous uh, Stephen Vincent Benet short story, Daniel, The Devil and Daniel Webster, uh, in which Daniel Webster defeats the devil by his rhetoric. And Daniel Webster was acknowledged throughout the United States and the world as the leading... The leading um, uh, orator of the English language. Um, he was uh, he was more famous than the president of the United States. Uh, the president of the United States could travel around the country un- unnoticed, unrecognized, but Daniel Webster's face was more familiar to people than the president of the United States. Um, and he really defined what we think of as our identity. He defined American nationalism, and that I think is his greatest contribution. The idea of American nationalism, I loved how you explained it in the book, is if we were having this conversation, you and I, setting aside there were no telephones at the time, but if we were having this conversation, you would be Joel of California, I would be Brian of Iowa. How did the the idea of nationalism begin, and what was it essentially when the colonies started and when the United States first started? How did people think of themselves, not necessarily as Americans? Sure. In the, in the 1780s, uh, the French writer Crevecoeur famously asked the question, what's an American? And, and no one could really answer that question because people did identify themselves, as you said, Brian, uh, as members of their own state. We were Virginians, New Yorkers, we weren't Americans. Um, and over the next 30 years or so, or 40 years, there different ideas of American nationalism arose. People People thought about Americans based on our race, our religion, based on where we lived, our region, or part of the country. But um, it was really Daniel Webster who defined our American identity uh, under the Constitution. Um, he kind of pushed back against the ideas of Andrew Jackson and the Jacksonian Democrats that defined American nationalism by our race. He said that um, it was the Constitution that made us a nation. Uh, and we are all Americans under the Constitution, regardless of our race, our ethnicity, our religion. Uh, every one of us is an American. Uh, and, and that idea really uh, came to form what we think of now as our identity as Americans, and it explains 
uh, Abraham Lincoln, and it explains um, the generation of men that went to fight in the Civil War to preserve that idea of union. And even thinking with today's lens, the way the Constitution came to be, I don't think that it is as innate to our beliefs as that, you know, we look at the Constitution as this decree from the government, this is what the government can do and cannot. How do the colonists view the Constitution with respect to its relationship to the federal government versus the states themselves? Um, they viewed the Constitution simply as a compact among states. They, they saw themselves as each members of a sovereign state, and the Constitution was just sort of a contract among them to cooperate when it served their, their needs. Uh, and that idea was an idea that was represented by John C. Calhoun. And Calhoun basically argued uh, that the states were free to secede whenever they wanted to. Um, it was Daniel Webster who popularized the idea that the Constitution instead was an organic expression of the will of all Americans, that we were one nation. We were made so by the Constitution. The Constitution expressed our, our common desire, our common will as Americans, not as separate states. Uh, and uh, he famously uh, said that liberty and union, now and forever, one and inseparable. That was his sort of coda. And, and that line... Uh, wasn't uh, because he thought that the everyone in America was free. He was a strong opponent of slavery. And he recognized that the Union was the only vehicle through which slavery could ultimately be defeated. And so he, he believed that the Union was, an, it was essential to both defeating slavery and also to preserving the rights of all Americans. When you set about to take on a topic such as this and you know there's been a lot written about Daniel Webster it's it's not like a, an Abraham Lincoln character where there's been gazillion books about it but nonetheless the Daniel Webster story has been covered before and yet you found this angle to make it into a unique book how did you go about deciding the route you wanted to take with Daniel Webster because you could have gone any number of ways with it right yeah I, I um I've had an interest in Daniel Webster for a long time. As you said, I'm a professor of constitutional law, and Daniel Webster comes up a lot when you're talking about constitutional cases. Um, but uh, it was really, I, I think, a response to what we're seeing happening in America today. A recent New York Times poll reported that more than 70% of Americans see our democracy as under threat. Um, we're very much divided today by issues of race and national identity. And there's, a, I think, a need in the country, a hunger in the country for statesmanship, uh, people, political leaders who are able and willing to sort of find some consensus and compromise. And Daniel Webster was that guy. He was, he was the guy in the 19th century who helped hold the country together as we were lurching towards civil war. And uh, I thought, I hope that maybe he will inspire people today to believe that it's still possible to save our union and our democracy. I'm chatting with Joel Richard Paul about his brand new book, Indivisible, Daniel Webster and the Birth of American Nationalism. It is available everywhere. And if you haven't uh, checked out his, uh, Joel's book, Without Precedent, about Chief Justice John Marshall, that's another fantastic read as well. Joel, as I read through this book, something that I always kept in my mind is how these things sort of happen at the right time and given the right circumstance. And Jack, the, the Jackson, Andrew Jackson administration happened, and that sort of gave rise to this to these ideas that Daniel Webster has now, that, that he put forth and, and all of a sudden became really the paradigm for this idea of nationalism. But 
was it, was it really just happenstance? Because it seems like if Jackson hadn't been there, to me, Daniel Webster wouldn't have rose into the prominence that he did. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I, I think that you know Daniel Webster, although he was called Godlike Daniel because of his extraordinary uh, oratorical abilities, uh, the truth is that he was an ordinary man. He was a very deeply flawed man in many respects. Um, but I think he 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 rose to the moment in the in the context of of that particular uh, of that particular historical epic. And I think the same thing was true of Lincoln, um, who who was enormously affected by Daniel Webster. Lincoln uh, saw Daniel Webster as his model, as his role model. Um, he quoted Daniel Webster freely all the time, and people in his audience knew Daniel Webster's speeches so well that they knew when. Lincoln was quoting Daniel Webster. He didn't have to say, you know, quoting Daniel Webster when he said, um, we are a government of the people, by the people, for the people. Everybody knew what he meant because he was quoting Daniel Webster. And um, uh, Webster had that kind of impact uh, on his whole generation of, of leaders. But he did because he, was, he found himself in that moment in time in which the country was being torn apart. And someone had to step up, and he was the guy who stepped up. And he, he did so at enormous cost to his own political career, because when he accepted the Compromise of 1850, in which famously he agreed that um, the North would be bound by the fugitive slave laws, um, something the North was very reluctant to do. And Webster, as a uh, long opponent of slavery, it was very distasteful for him to endorse the fugitive slave laws, but he knew that that was the price for holding together the Union, and he hoped that eventually the Union would be the vehicle for defeating slavery. One of the things I always find interesting is when, whether it's a professor of, of law, you come at this as a, as a professor of constitutional law and not a historian vis-a-vis, were there certain things that you did in your research that you probably wouldn't have known to pick out had you not had the legal background that maybe a historian would have mess, would have missed? Uh, sure. You know, um, uh, as you said, my, my previous book was about uh, Chief Justice John Marshall and Daniel Webster in many ways. Uh, he simply took the ideas of John Marshall and popularized them. Um, and when you, when you read John Marshall's opinions, um, the, the, the two of them are like Siamese twins. They, they're echoing each other. Uh, Webster, uh, uh, Webster is echoing what John Marshall says in his opinions, and John Marshall's opinions are echoing what is in Webster's legal briefs. And um, it was necessary to have someone like Webster who was willing to go out and take the ideas of Marshall and make them, uh, put them in popular rhetoric and kind of... Uh, persuade people that uh, our, our founding generation um, was that, that, we, that we need to prove ourselves worthy of our founding generation by our actions today as Americans to preserve the Constitution and to defend the ideas of the Union. And, uh, and so you can sort of trace the influence uh, of these two men on each other. I know a lot of people, and myself included, I see a book written by a law professor about history, I think, oh my gosh, this is going to be like reading, uh, you know, Prosser on torts or something like that. <laughs> uh, I, I, as I read this, a lot of the language was very 
almost poetic. You talk about the sun shining on certain days and, and things like that. When you go about trying to make this a, a readable account, you've got to have some writing training other than legal writing because the way that you wrote this prose was absolutely beautiful. What is your writing training? Well, you're, you're, very, you're very kind, Brent, to say so. I, um, well, you know, um, uh, I, I was very fortunate uh, in, in going and getting a good um, undergraduate training. Um, uh, I, I did take um, a lot of history courses as an undergraduate, um, although I primarily um, was an economist before I was a lawyer. And... Um, I read a lot, and um, I was very fortunate. I had a grandmother who was a wonderful storyteller, and I learned to tell stories from my grandmother. And I guess that was probably my, my, my best training for writing. Well, and we are all the beneficiaries of it as your readers. This book is called Indivisible, Daniel Webster and the Birth of American Nationalism by Joel Richard Paul. Buy a copy today, Amazon, or wherever you buy your books. Joel, I love this book. I learned so much from it, and I thank you for joining me to talk about it. Well, Brian, you're very kind. I appreciate it. It's really great talking with you. This has been Having Read That on KSCJ Radio. I'm Brian Vakalskis. Check out all of our episodes on our website, kscj.com, and subscribe to our iTunes podcasts. Thanks to music historian Molly Jolly and segment producer John Weasler. We will be back next time. Well, what?